The following resource is brought to you by Real Life Community Church in Richmond, Kentucky. We hope you're both challenged and encouraged by this message from Pastor Chris May. Go with me to the book of Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. Beginning in verse 1. The word of God says this. They came to the other side of the sea. To the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. And he lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Here's one of the saddest verses in all of the Bible. Night and day, among the tombs and on the mountains, he was crying out and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and he fell down before him and crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? And he replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. Verse 14. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country, and people came to see what it was that happened. And they said, came to Jesus, and they saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion, and watch this, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind. Jesus changes everything, doesn't he? Right. Hallelujah. And they were afraid. And those who had been described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. And as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but he said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. And he has had mercy on you. And he went away and he began to proclaim... In the Decapolis, how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. You may be seated. This is an interesting story to me. Again, I think verse 5 is one of the saddest verses that we find in the Bible. You, you, You find this man who was so miserable. And night and day, he is crying out with really no relief. There are many people in Richmond, in our surrounding areas, and all over the world. They may not be living in the tombs, but they are crying out in agony night and day. And they seem to find no relief. They're struggling. They're they're hurting. they're, They're tormented. Night and day, they're crying out. 
They may not look like the demon-possessed man in this story. But they may be standing next to us in the checkout line at Walmart. Or in the cubicle next to you at work. Or the desk next to you at school. They're everywhere. People who are hurting and people who are crying. And I, I love preaching this message uh, as the students come back, especially to EKU and Berea, the college students and, and our high school students. Who uh, there, there are people, um, what, what do we have, 16,000 students there about on our eastern campus alone. And there are multitudes of them. They may wear a, a smile on their faces. They may fake it till they make it. But on the inside, they are crying out night and day. And so my heart is that as a church that we will be mindful of those people. That we'll be willing to go where Jesus would go and to reach those people with the gospel. We've been talking in the book of Galatians a lot about the gospel of grace. That we are saved not by our human merit, but we are saved by grace through faith in Christ. And that means that none of us, none of us can save ourselves. And that to me is beautiful, that we are saved by grace, solely by grace. Here's why. If we were saved by law, if we were saved by keeping rules, by doing good, by being, uh, quote unquote, a good person, first of all, we know we all fall short of that. But if that were the case, if it was a, a, a certain moral standard or a, a certain um, just requirement that we had to do, we had to accomplish in order to, to get right standing with God, then that would be, mean that only the most moral, only the best of us, only the strongest of us would be able to get to God. But I love the inclusiveness of the gospel, of the real gospel that says None of us are good enough. That's why to get to God, that's why God came to us. And because of that, all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And here's why that's important in light of this story today. Because there may be somebody in your mind whom you think, no, this person is beyond help. But I want to tell you that no one is outside of the reach of our God. We serve an awesome, awesome God. And I have seen Him through the years change lives that seem to me almost impossible to change. And apart from Christ, it would be an impossibility. But with Christ, all things are possible. And that's the beauty of the gospel of grace. Christ redeems the most broken. Hallelujah. He redeems the hurting and those who feel the most hopeless, the, the, the furthest from God. And I just want to declare to you today that, that hurting people in our community, addicted people in our community, they need more than self-help books. They need more than Dr. Phil and Oprah Winfrey. Come on, somebody. They need more than medication. We tend to just medicate people and just mask the symptoms, but we don't deal with the deeper issues. They need Jesus Christ. He's the one who delivers. Hallelujah. He's the one who saves and sets the captive free. And so I want to just very simply today look at this man's life. This demoniac. I want to look at his life before Christ and after Christ. 
And, and I'm sure that we could all look at our lives before Christ and hopefully see a major difference after encountering Christ. Look, look at his life before he encountered, encountered Jesus. According to ancient rabbinic literature, this man would have actually met the four characteristics of madness. Alright, this is somebody at his lowest point. Here, here they are, these, these four characteristics of madness, according to rabbinic literature. Number one would be running about at night. Number two would be staying overnight at burial places. Check. Some of y'all are checking these off as I go, right? Anybody sleep in the cemetery last night? Don't, don't raise your hand. Tearing apart one's clothing. And number four would be destroying what one has been given. This man met all four of those characteristics. He was absolutely mad. He was at the lowest point imaginable and, and imaginable, and without divine intervention. And that's important. Without divine intervention, completely hopeless. So night and day in the tombs, he cried out. Let's just unpack his life for a moment. One of the, the things I want you to see that really stand out to me is that he was isolated. And it's interesting to me, in, in the times of our lives when we need the most, people the most, when we've messed up the greatest, we seem to, at times to find ourselves the most isolated. We feel the most alone. Especially if we've made a mistake. Now, I don't know the backstory to this, to this man. I, I don't know his history. I don't, I, I don't know if, if he played with Ouija boards as a kid and opened himself up to uh, the demonic oppression. I don't know if he, he, he watched you, you know, demonic movies or, or whatever. Uh, you, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know his backstory. I don't know if he, he, he dealt with some kind of Middle Eastern drug at the time that, that opened himself up to the pains of a, addiction and oppression. I don't know if he rebelled against mom and dad and just opened himself up to the enemy. I don't know. I, I don't know why he did what he did, but here's what I know, that we all have made mistakes. And none of us are perfect. And there's a reason that you're where you're at today. We, we, we all have consequences for things that we have done in the, in the past. But, but I'm glad that Jesus looks beyond those things. Yeah. And, and we can be tough on people at times, can't we? Because we forget where we've been. And we can judge them. And we, 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 we can isolate them. We, we'll say things like this. Well, you brought it all upon yourself. Well, maybe this man brought it all upon himself. Maybe. Don't know that, but maybe he left himself open somehow to this demonic oppression in his life. But I want to tell you that he's still worth something. And I want to tell you that he still needs the gospel. He still needs to hear the gospel. He doesn't need to be written off by society just because he's made some mistakes. And old church, how we need to realize this. That we are who we are simply by the grace of God, lest we judge other people from being where they're at today. Don't let your heart become hardened towards drug addicts or alcoholics or any other 
type of sinner that you may classify as bringing it upon themselves. Well, I told you never to take that first drink or I told you to never shoot up in that way. I told you never to, 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 to smoke even that first joint because it would lose, you know, move to, to more things and harder things. And to, Listen, they are where they are. Don't worry so much about where they or how they got here. Just love them where they're at. Meet them where they're at and give them Jesus. Thank God He doesn't deal with us according to our sins, the Scripture says. Just remember, you and I deserve to be a lot worse off right now than we, than we find ourselves in. I mean, it could be a lot worse for us if, if justice really happened. But we are who we are again by the grace of God. This man found himself isolated. I want you to think of this. People don't understand him. I mean, he's, he's got this kind of supernatural strength. He's cutting himself. He's, he's naked. He's lost your clothes. You know, you see a naked man walking down the road and you just, what do you do? You run the other way, right? That's probably a good practice just to say. But, but people, they didn't know what to do with him. So what do they do? They cast him off. They tried to bind him and they put him in the tombs. Nobody could help him. Nobody can, the, the Bible says tame him. That means heal him, help him. He, he had likely visited every doctor, every psychologist. He, he'd probably taken every drug out there to try to get better. But there's some things that just can't get better without divine intervention. And this is where he finds himself. And in the moment when religious folk should have been gathered around him and praying for him and serving him and loving for him, they shunned him. And how indicative is, is, is that of the church? Because we like to, we say, send me Lord, here am I, send me Lord. But where do we go? To the people that maybe they need the Lord, but, but they kind of look like us and they kind of know how to act. We don't like to go in the places and rub shoulders with the people who are living in the tombs, right? Because those people in our minds, we may not admit this, but deep down, there are some people we feel like they're off limits and they're too far gone. Whether it's the people in the crack house or the strip club, there are people who you feel deep down, probably at some time in your life you have felt like they are too far gone. And I believe there are people in this day who, who felt, uh, who cared much more about their reputation than they cared about redemption for this man. Because there's probably people in the church that could have helped. Surely one of the Pharisees could have helped. Surely one of the religious people could have helped. But what did they do? They shunned him and just left him crying to himself night and day. Let that never be real life community church. We embrace those who are at their lowest point and other people don't know what to deal, do with them. May we give them Jesus. May we go to them. And I love this about Christ. This is incredible. Jesus makes a point, you know, 
other people are avoiding this man, Jesus makes a beeline right to them. Right, right to those people that everyone else avoids. It's incredible to me. That's the God we serve. The Pharisees didn't want to rub shoulders with the drunks, with the tax collectors, with the sinners, and Jesus is dining with them. I, some of the best years of my life, and, and, and let me explain myself before you judge me, were spent in a crack house. I'm grateful. When I turned 18 years old, I started, my church did prison ministry. I've done it ever since. I would go to, to, to Eastern, to West Liberty there, and go to Eastern prison, and, and, and I would do prison ministry. And I've met people, and I ministered to people, and I saw God radically change people whom others had written off and avoided. And I learned something that no one is out of God's reach. And there's nothing like seeing somebody who the world has written off be changed and be radically redeemed, move from death to life. It's awesome. And so I remember when I first started in ministry, I would I would meet often uh, drug addicts, and, and and this one friend of mine, I would I, I tried to minister to him, and when he wouldn't come to church, I would go to him, literally in a crack house. And I would, I would sit there in, in this home and, and, and I, would, I would minister to he and his, his girlfriend and half the time they'd be out of their mind and they would, they would do, people would do drops and, 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 and come and, and pick up while I was there. And I'm not suggesting that everybody leave after church and go to crack houses, but I'm just telling you, be willing to go where God calls you to go. Even if you think, man, those people are way beyond help. You know what? You can't help them in and of yourselves, but no one is out of the reach of God. So he was isolated. Let's not let the people hurting in our community feel isolated. Let them know that there's people who believe in, in, in God in them, that, that, that we believe that God can reach them and revolutionize their life. He was isolated, but he was also being influenced. And this is important. This man was possessed. He was under demonic control. And he was defined by his issues. His issues controlled his life. When you are under this type of oppression, you will say things that you would never say in your right mind. You know what I've learned in dealing with people like this? And I'm not saying everybody that is like this is necessarily possessed. I do think that happens sometimes. I've seen it. But they're at least oppressed by the enemy and by sin. Sin is their kind of master. They're controlled by it. And we want to say things like this. Well, why don't you just stop? Quit putting that needle in your arm. You did this. Come on, just, just stop it. We, we, we want to judge them. And, and when they say something we don't like, we let them hurt our feelings way too easily and we give up on them. Well, if they're going to talk to me like that, I'm just going to let, you know, whatever happens, happens to them. Really? I, I've met some, some people who have been on drugs or whatever it might be, and they will say some really, really mean things. And then I've seen them off those things. I've seen them freed from those things and they're a lot different. So understand, there's a reason they're talking to you the way that they're talking to you. Have some grace. 
And thank the Lord that He didn't step away from you when you said the wrong thing. Come on, somebody. We need to have grace on people. They may cuss you up one side and down the other, but grace. But grace. Here, here, here's one of the, the kind of truths that I live by. Hurting people. I've learned this in my life. I didn't coin this phrase, but it's true. Hurt people hurt people. So somebody hurting you in your life, you know what that probably means? There's some deep pain in their life. So I would ask you, be the grace of God to them. God hasn't dealt with you according to your sins. He's, he's forgiven you. He's redeemed you. Forgive some other folk. Have some grace upon them. Even when they say some harsh things or do some harsh things. Show them the love of Christ. This man was influenced. And so rather than helping him, people just avoided him. If he's going to be that way, if he's going to act that way, we're just done with him. Number three, he was isolated, he was influenced. This is probably the saddest part, he was incapable. This is what people don't understand. When it comes to sin, when it comes to oppression, people are incapable. And what I mean by that is hopeless. The Bible says night and day he cried. Night and day he cried. People saw his strength. They couldn't bind him. They couldn't even keep him with chains. So here's what they think. He's alright. He's strong. But on the inside we see a glimpse from the scripture that he was like a little baby. Unable to help himself. Crying out night and day. There are people in your life likely who look strong on the outside. And if someone were to ask you, you would say, yeah, they, they're okay. I mean, they go to work every day. They have a good job. They, they smile. But when you don't see them, night and day, they're crying out. Here's what we've, we, we've become really, really good at. Faking it. And I would suggest that there are people today faking it. That on the outside you look strong. And you look like a spiritual giant. But on the inside perhaps. You're crying out. Night and day. Because of loss. Because of addiction. Because of disappointment. And you want to be strong. Because you don't want people to see your weakness. Because you know how most people treat weak people today. It's not good. And you want to look strong and you don't want to let people down and you don't want to disappoint family or friends or spouse, whoever it might be. And so on the outside, you, you, you just preach to yourself every morning, just keep it together. And you give yourself that motivational speech in the mirror. You can do this today, but on the inside, as you're working and you're smiling and you're going to lunch and you're smiling and at dinner at night, you're smiling and then the door closes at night and you break because it's an empty shell on the outside. It looks really, really good, but on the inside, it's brokenness. And I just want you to know if you're here today and that's you, I want you to know that this is a place where it's okay to be broken. 
It's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to. It's okay not to be okay. We we want to rally behind you. We're not going to kick you while you're down. We're going to help you get to where you need to go. It's okay not to be okay. But this man, it's it's not just that. You know, it's one thing to have a bad season. This thing that's happened to us this week with my stepdad and Nikki's uncle. We know that we're going to get through this. We know life will go on. We know we're going to make it. But there are people, the most hopeless, most depraved people are those who in their misery see no light at the end of the tunnel. Not only am I at the most miserable point in my life, they would say, but there's no hope of it getting better. That's misery. It's alright. You can deal with anything in as much as you know that maybe tomorrow it will change just a little bit. Or even next month, or perhaps even next year, it'll get a little bit better. But if you see no light, no help, no hope, you're miserable. And there are people perhaps today all over our community who are thinking about even ending their life. Why? Because they see no hope of it ever getting better. And so do we avoid these people? No, we run to them as Jesus runs to them. We show them that there is hope. And in and of yourself, there may be no hope. There may be no way out. But I want to tell you, if you're in that place today, that Jesus changes everything. Changes everything. Hope to the most hopeless situation. Whether it's finances or marriage or some other relationship, child and parent relationship, whether it's work or maybe you lost your job and you, you don't see any hope of getting another. I want to tell you there's hope. That's the kind of God I serve. So that's him before encountering Jesus very quickly. A big change happens. He encounters Christ. And look at verse 14. And people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind. The man who was naked, full of cuts, despondent, angry, bitter, one encounter with Jesus, and they find him clothed and in his right mind. And this is interesting, they were afraid. I don't get religious folk. How are you going to be afraid? They wanted Jesus to leave. And isn't, again, isn't that kind of indicative of our churches today? Like, we don't want really, we we don't want Jesus to to do this kind of miracle because it means that we're dealing with this kind of people. So it would be easy if you just left. We don't want people in here that are willing to deal with this type of person. Because that means we're going to have this type of people. Help us, Lord. To welcome, we've got to be willing to minister to these type of people. We have to be willing to go where other people don't want to go. I, I want to roll my sleeves up. And, and I want to get into who the devil thinks he has a hand on. And I want to declare in Jesus' name that this is not your territory. And greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And preach the gospel in the dark places. That nobody else wants to go. 
So what if I have to go to a bar to, to get there? Well, Pastor, what are people going to think of you? And I'm not suggesting if you're an alcoholic, don't go into the bar, all right? We'll send somebody else. They call Jesus a, a wine-bibber and a sinner. Let them think what they will. Go into the dark places that nobody else will go. After encountering, encountering Jesus, he went from broken to blessed. Hateful to happy. Problematic to peaceful. From being alone to being accepted. And so, here, here's what we've got to understand. That people need more than a 12-step program. They need Christ. They're hurting and they're dying. Let's not leave it up to AA or NA to reach those people. Let's take them Jesus. Let's take them Jesus. One of the reasons that we're doing Celebrate Recovery is because it's founded, it's centered around Christ. And I'm, I'm telling you, we're, we're doing this on Monday night starting in December to where the most broken, the most hurting, the most addicted people in our community are going to come from all kinds of different backgrounds and ways of life. And it's going to be messy, messy ministry. And I say, bring it on. Bring it on. So, college folk, when you meet the one who everybody else is avoiding in the hallways, who's at the end of the rope and you think, I don't know if I should bring them to church. I just want you to know, bring them. Bring them. So who is it in your life that is crying out night and day that you really honestly just maybe it's you today I hope it's not but if it is there's hope for you there's help for you but who is it in your dorm or your apartment complex or in your neighborhood or in your place of business that needs a touch from the Lord but you've not been willing to roll up your sleeves because you honestly just don't know how how to deal with that type of person I want to tell you, God will give you the wisdom. God will give you the strength. Just go and be faithful. He'll tell you what to say and when to say it. We serve an awesome God. Stay with me. If you're here and you're hurting today, if you're broken, if you, you listen, you come down here, we, we're not going to think, oh, are they sleeping in the tombs at night? And if you are, we're not going to judge you for it. We're going to help you. That's the heartbeat of this church. Maybe it's you need to come and you need to pray for someone else who's night and day crying out. Maybe you just need to come and, and, and pray for us as we reach out to celebrate recovery folk uh, around our community. The people who are going to come in December. And we need, you just want to pray for them. But can we just fill these altars today? If you feel broken, I feel a little weak this morning. I'm going to pray myself. Um, but if you just need a touch from the Lord in any way, shape, or form, we'd love to pray with you. Are you welcome to go to the altar and pray by yourself? If you don't know Jesus, call upon Him today and just be glad that all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to know more about how you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ, or if you have questions about our church, you can email us at info at myrealchurch.org. Real Life Community Church is located at 335 Glendon Avenue in Richmond, Kentucky. We invite you to join us for worship Sunday at 1045 a.m. or Wednesday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at myrealchurch.org.